Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 471 of the podcast. It's Carrie here. I hope our time together today helps you thrive in life and leadership. I am very excited to have Craig Rochelle and Bobby Grunewald together on the podcast. Yeah, we did this uh, interview uh, as part of our future church series. We're going to talk about the future of the church, hybrid church, in-person, online, the metaverse. And I I think you're going to love this conversation. I hope it's healing. I said at the end, man, this has been a really healing conversation for a lot of the division that exists about how to do church. So thank you for tuning in. It's part of our future church series and series on the future. And today's episode is brought to you by Pro Media Fire. You can claim your free copy of their 2022 digital playbook by going to promediafire.com slash 2022. And by leader, go to leader.com, that's L-E-A-D-R.com, and use the promo code CARRY to get 20% off your first year of their people development software. Well, uh, I think uh, Craig and Bobby in the church space anyway need no introduction. Craig is the founding and senior pastor of Life Church, an innovative multi-site church based in Edmond, Oklahoma. He's one of the most respected leaders in the church and certainly on my personal radar, one of the most respected leaders in my book. Craig speaks frequently at leadership events and conferences worldwide. He's a New York Times bestselling author and serves as the champion for the Global Leadership Summit. If you don't subscribe to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, what are you doing? You need to do that. I listen to every single episode, and Glassdoor has also named him in one of the top 10 CEOs in the U.S. among small and mid-sized companies, and named Life Church as the number one place to work for two consecutive years under his leadership. He lives in Edmond, Oklahoma with his wife Amy and their six kids, and of course, you can find out more about him, uh, Craig Grishel, and uh, the duo of Bobby and Craig, Craig and Bobby, has been amazing. Bobby Grunwald serves as pastor and innovation leader at Life.Church and is the founder of the Version Bible app, which has been installed now on more than 500 million devices. You know what? I asked him, <laughs> this is so fascinating in the interview, you know, what's a highlight of the last couple of years? And that didn't even come up. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. Half half a billion devices, and you know there were other things that were as good. I know that was definitely a highlight for Bobby, but um, my goodness, it's just incredible what God's accomplished through Bobby. And uh, as one of the leading voices in the church on innovation and the use of technology, Bobby has been featured in the New York Times, TechCrunch, CNN, and more. Prior to joining the Life Church team in 2001, he started and sold two technology companies and as well served in advisory capacities for various startups and venture capital funds. Uh, Bobby and his wife, Melissa, live in Edmond, Oklahoma with their four children. And so that's a little background. And uh, man, this was such a rich conversation. Um, I hope you're taking notes. And I think for those of you who have ambivalence around in-person, online, the metaverse, what is metaverse? Uh, I hope this is really, it synthesizes a lot of disparate thoughts and uh, we'll give you some better understanding into it. That's what it did for me. Hey, uh, thanks so much to Promedia Fire for uh, doing what they do. And they want to get in your corner this year. Being in the right place at the right time 
can take you to the next level quickly. Understanding the trends and riding the momentum of what is working in 2022 is vital for your success. That's why they want to get this into your hands, the Pro Media Fire 2022 Digital Playbook. The Digital Playbook includes five digital trends to maximize your impact in 2022, the six biggest risks of decline to your organization and solutions for growth, why the hybrid approach will fail unless a key strategy is applied, and the digital investment guide with the best ROI for growth. Uh, strategy is the key to growth, and so it's free. Their Pro Media Fire 2022 digital playbook is free. Claim your copy by going to promediafire.com slash 2022. And if you haven't checked out Leader yet, please do so. I mean, the great resignation probably took a toll on your team. And do you know the data is telling us that 50% of people either have or will be leaving their job for another job in the next 12 months? Like, what? And they're looking for workplaces where they can be engaged and grow every day. And some of you have new hires. How do you know you're going to keep them on? Well, Harvard Business Review says that 70% of the reason a person leaves their job is because of their relationship with their manager. That puts so much of the spotlight on the one-on-one -on -one meetings that you have with your direct reports. A leader believes that the one-on-one -on -one meeting is the most powerful leadership development tool a manager has which is why they built a platform to help you lead effective one-on-one -on -one meetings, develop leaders at every level of your organization, and engage and grow every person on your team. 500 churches and businesses are already using Leader. And if you want to request your demo today, go to leader.com, that's L-E-A-D-R.com, and use the promo code CAREY, C-A-R-E-Y, to get 20% off your first year of their people development software. That's leader.com. Use the promo code carry. You'll get 20% off. Well, let's jump right into my conversation. Very life-giving conversation and illuminating conversation with the one and only, I guess the two and only, Craig Rochelle and Bobby Grunwald. Craig and Bobby, it is good to have you together and good to have you both back. Welcome. Hey, glad it's to be with you, Kerry. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah. So, um, this is the first time the two of you have been together, and I love to pick your brains. So uh, let me let me start with a quick pulse check, just to generally talk about this crazy last two years that we've been through. I'd love for each of you to talk about a high and a low. Um, Bobby, why don't we start with you? High point, low point for you, and then Craig, I'd love to hear yours. Um, yeah, so we had, a, uh, I'd say on the high point side, um, Right as the pandemic was starting, um, obviously people were thrust to online church and we had 20,000 plus churches, almost 30,000 churches sign up to use the church online platform in just a few weeks. Wow. So the high point was just watching as our team pivoted from people that were involved in doing physical church services were doing onboarding support for churches to help them get in church online. We, we basically spun up a, a team of 20 or 30 people, I think, overnight that were providing customer support to kind of help churches get connected. They hadn't, and these, this team had nothing to do with the church online platform prior to that. They were just simply uh, responding to where the need was in the moment. And we kind of watched that sort of fast acceleration, fast growth. It was just kind of fun as a leader to watch as kind of a team dynamically adjust at all the priorities and uh, and met the need. Um, personal low, probably not too different than maybe many others, but there was one week where I uh, lost three people that I knew to COVID in one week. And that was just oh. a, um, it was just a low week. It was just one of those moments, the sobering reality from it. 
kind of an upside to that week is there's one other that was on a ventilator for 20 days and came off and did has done great. So there's kind of like a, a, a silver lining on what was a really bad week. Uh, but, but that was probably one of the low moments for me in the last two years. Wow. Craig, how about you? High and low? I, it's hard to, hard to just give one. I think there on the pers- personal yeah. side, just time with the family has been really, really special and re- a lot of high points there that, um, you know, I'm incredibly thankful for. Uh, on the church end, uh, some high points, I think even though we had to shut down physical attendance, the digital impact, like Bobby and I in our church got to celebrate, a, you know, half a billion uh, downloads to your version Bible. That was pretty incredibly special. To see our team uh, fight for spiritual unity in a, in a world of division and stay on point in mission was really special. So there's a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm. Low point, uh, kind of like Bobby, I lost my pastor last year. I just yesterday, uh, Carrie was feeding ice to a friend of mine in the hospital and prayed with him. Um, kind of looks like he's on his heavenly send off. And so the personal loss there has been has been real, like so many other people. And just the uh, I've never had a prayer list that's anywhere nearly as long as it is right now. There's just so much pain in the world. So. Uh, you know, we're just like anybody else. You're dealing with the, the personal pain and loss. And, and so th- those would be the low point and filled with, you know, so many great things and seeing, uh, seeing, you know, really special relationships and ministry impact is we're thankful for that, that as well. I do want to get um, to the hybrid church questions, but I think I have to ask you both because it's just resonating with so many pastors I've talked to and frankly, leaders I've talked to, but it seems, especially pastors, how are you getting through like we're at the you know early part of a brand new year, how do you continue to motivate yourself to lead, to look forward, to hope, to believe, Craig? How do you do that? I, interestingly enough, so uh, Bobby's a pilot and quite accomplished pilot, and so uh, he kind of taught me into trying a lesson, and I uh, took a lesson, then a second, and a third, and a fourth, and got far enough in. I thought I'll try to solo. Well, now I'm getting relatively close to. Uh, doing, taking my uh, written test to see if I can pass that, which is not nearly as easy as Bobby made it seem, I think. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was talking just to our staff today, there's an instrument called the uh, attitude indicator that tells you in, you know where the, the plane is, if the pitch is too high, too low, what which, which your bank angle is and such. And uh, the, what I talked to the staff today was just about uh, when you don't know which direction you are, which is at times you may not in a plane, if you don't have a good visual, you, you look at your attitude indicator and this, your instrument tells you it's true. And so we talked today, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's embarrassingly simple, but it was profoundly powerful. We talked about what do we know is true? And I went through just four very simple things and, and talked about God is, God is faithful, Jesus saves, the spirit empowers, the church will endure. And it was, it was that mm-hmm. basic. And oddly enough, Carrie, I think that's exactly what our team needed right now because there's so many things we don't know. There's so uh, ongoing, another round, another round, another round of complications. And so we just went back to the very basics and that is incredibly motivating. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And so it was that, it was that simple. The faithfulness of God, God is faithful. Jesus saves, the Holy Spirit empowers, the church will endure. And so there's so often, it's not something big and fancy and like, you know, oh my gosh, these special leaders have this magic power. It is the basics that keeps me going, keeps our church going. And and we're talking more and more and more and more about the basic call of the, the church of Jesus Christ in the world. 
and that's that's aligning. That's the that's the attitude indicator. We're going to align our attitude to what we know is true, and that's we're doing a lot of basic alignment right now. Mm. You know, that's such a good word. It's funny. I'm preaching for the first time in a long time this weekend, and my message landed in a very similar place. It's like there's so much confusion out there. What do we know is true? What do we know is going to endure? Let's focus on that. And it's simple. You're right. Bobby, how about you? How do you stay motivated? How did you, I think we all kind of thought, okay, 2022 is going to be different than wham, some Greek thing we'd never heard of two months ago changes the world. Uh, right. Thank you. Omicron. How do you, how do you keep yourself motivated? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a constant process. I mean, it, it, I don't want to, don't have a lot to add to what Craig said, because I think there's some, some, so much in what he said that is, uh, <laughs> yeah. is, is really profound and, and true. Um, but I do think that part of it is it was a constant reminder of what's true. Uh, and I, I remember mm. talking to our team early on, um, when something as significant as this happens, you know, it's the uncertainty that that's really the challenge. And if you're not careful, you sort of think of uncertainty in sort of a forever type term. But in reality, if you step back away from it and process it, you know, it's a little more clear, like what today's going to look like for me. I mean, there's always a potential of a surprise, mm -hmm. but I have a pretty good handle on, on the rest of my, rest of my day today, maybe tomorrow, yeah. maybe a few days out. Do I also think the long term, you know, a year from now, two years from now, to have a pretty high sense of confidence of of what I think things will feel like a couple of years from now? And the answer, you know, back at the beginning of the pandemic was, I feel more like more likely that things will improve if I think long term, you know, two years, three years, five years. Hmm. It's all that part in the middle is where all the uncertainty is. You know, what will it be like a month yeah. from now, three yeah. months or four months? If we're not careful, we just sort of think about it as perpetual, like it never ends, but that's actually not true. It's just because we're feeling the uncertainty of kind of that middle time frame. I think right now, even looking at what we're going through right at this moment, um, you know, I have a, a greater sense of optimism just because you can kind of see that things are different, even though they feel similar, they actually are different than they were two years ago. Uh, we have to be careful not to yeah. kind of attach all of the emotions of two years ago to just things that look similar but aren't the same. And uh, and I, I feel True. like the the level of uncertainty in the midterm is not nearly as high as it was two years ago. And so I think there's definitely improvement to that. Um, things are closer to normal, even though there's still a lot of things that aren't um, in, in terms of, uh, and I say normal, meaning predictable. Is probably uh, probably the way to, the way to describe it. So it was just a kind of constant reminder. Perspective hacking is kind of a thing that I do all the time, and kind of having to sort of look at something from a different perspective consistently was, I think, the thing that helped continue to help me to be motivated. So I want to focus in on hybrid church, and I don't even know that that was a term that people used popularly prior to 2020. But I mean, Life Church literally almost invented or it did invent church online. You were absolutely one of the first to market on that in the church space and, um, you know, you version the whole deal. But when you think about how you were finishing 2019, what did hybrid church mean to you, Craig, as the lead pastor of Life Church? Like what did having a presence online mean to you and what did having, you know, people in the room mean to you two years ago. And then I want to talk about how it's changed and how you think about it moving forward. But when you go back a couple of years, where was that in your mind as like viable options for meaningful church experience? So if you go back to pre-COVID days, I think because we did, I, th I think we probably did launch the first church online 
back in 06. Mm. And so it's been a, yeah. it's been a value to us the whole time. Uh, and so at the, all the way down to the way I preach. So it's not uncommon today, but I looked directly into the cameras, I think years before a lot of people did and would not look mm -hmm. at the people in the room because I knew there were more people on the other side of the camera. And so it was, it was all the way down. To, and then just an awareness always in my mind that I'm talking to more people that, than are in the room. So my preaching was that way. Um, our staff was oriented to it. It would be even, you know, I wouldn't say things like, I wouldn't make a local reference because I knew I'd be speaking to an international audience. So it was always, always, always on my mind. And I know where you're going to the next question and I'll answer it when you get there. But the, uh, it became even more so on my mind. I would say it was a secondary mm -hmm. priority at that time, it, which was pretty high because for most people, it wouldn't have been a priority at all. So it was a, a secondary priority. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll leave it to your next question, but it shifted even up to a primary prior, priority to me uh, in, in the months to come. Yeah, for you, Bobby, as sort of the inventor, the innovator behind Church Online and bringing Life Church Online, you know, how, how did pre-COVID, how did that strike you? Yeah, so, I mean, pre-COVID, I think um, we, we saw Church Online, even, even though there's exceptions to this, we saw it as a distinct separate community than our physical church community. Um, so hybrid church was us reaching people in the physical space and reaching people in the digital space pre-COVID. Uh, and that was, I think, um, uh, you know, a distinction. We obviously knew there was some overlap. There'd be people that would attend our physical campuses that would then also attend, you know, at church online. But for the most part, the way we led it, the way we, um, the, you know, the things that we anticipated happening would really include us, like, us reaching a different group of people, people that were not necessarily the same people that were coming to our physical church, which is something that we, I think, distinctly changed um, with COVID. Yeah. So, Craig, uh, I think it was a personal conversation you and I were having in maybe August of 2020. And I remember you were getting ready to reopen. And I think I asked you, so, because a lot of people think binary. And even now you hear a lot of church leaders, it's like, well, is it online or is it in person? And I think I've, I've been surprised at the level, I don't know what you're seeing, but of gravitational pull back to the building. Let's just get people in the room, people in the room. And I remember what you said to me that day, uh, just as Life Church was getting to reopen. And uh, if I got my timing wrong, correct me, but I think it was like three months. You guys were closed for a couple months and you reopened. And it was like, Carrie, we're 100% in on digital and 100% in on in-person. And that really lodged in my brain. And I think that is one of the best understandings I've heard of it. So can you explain what that looks like to you now as you head into the future? Yes. So like I said earlier that, it was always important to me and probably online was probably way more important to yeah. me than for most pastors, I would say, and not to, you know, to brag, I just, it, it was something we had done for years and years. So it was a part of our culture and the way we think. And then when we obviously went all online, that's all there was. And so that became the top priority. Then opening the doors back up, what reframed for me was it was online was not now a tier two priority. It was tier one and in person is tier one. And what I started to realize and just become even more clear in my vocabulary, uh, my reasoning, my motivation, uh, or uh, I should say my, our motivation, our vocabulary, our leadership, is that they are both equally important, but not equally effective. And they are equally important for different reasons. And, and it's, they are 
they are equally important. I mean, they really, really, really are. Wow. And what you can accomplish is different. Some of it's the same. There's some overlap, but there's a lot of differences. And you have to understand the differences. You want to appreciate the differences. You want to leverage the differences. And, you know, a lot of people attack the digital and talk about the limitations. Are there limitations? There are a few limitations. Uh, if, you are, if you're smart, you're going to recognize there's some limitations to physical as well. And, and so, and then there's some, uh, digital has uh, uh, more opportunities in some ways that physical doesn't have. And so they are both incredibly important. They're both very, very different. And so the way we approach them, we want to maximize and leverage the opportunity. Uh, and and you, know, if you, if you, want to, you can criticize all day long and say, this isn't right or real or is valid or whatever. And you can do that, but you're gonna miss an opportunity. I promise you, <laughs> you're gonna miss a real opportunity. Mm. Can you say that again? You said they're, I, I'm taking notes. It, they're, they're something equally, but not equally effective. Can you just repeat that? I think it's worth yeah, repeating. Um, they're equally they, they, important, 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 but they're, not they're, equally effective. Well, and, and they're not equally effective. And by that, meaning they, they are so they're yeah. equally important, but they're not equally effective. I, I should say it this way. Got they're it. equally important in their difference, different in effectiveness because they, they are- Effective uh, in different ways. They're effective in different ways, yes. That's a, that's a better way to say it. They are, they are, there's different opportunities that should be leveraged for both, um, both avenues of reaching people and ministering to people and creating community. They're, they're effective and they're effective in different ways for different reasons. Well, okay. I want to drill down on that. Bobby, uh, just to comment on that, like what is the upside of digital to you? Because again, I'm looking to you as the one who's sort of been masterminding all sure. of this now for you know, better part of 15 years plus, um, where, where do you see the upside of digital? Because, you know, there are a lot of pastors who just dismiss it outright. I can sort through tens of thousands of comments online of, of church leaders who are dismissing digital right now. It's just everybody back in the room. So how, how do you, how do you process the upside? Um, well, first I'll answer your question, but first, um, I would just say that even though that I've, I've been such an advocate for digital in the midst of the pandemic. I think Pastor Craig would, could attest to this too. I was a massive advocate for physical, uh, for us getting back into yeah. physical worship. Mm -hmm. so That's I, important to note is you, yeah. is you don't have to be against, if you're for one, doesn't mean you have to be against the other. Right. And, and, and I mean, not just like a cooperative, like, oh, I think it's a good idea, but like, no, really advocating for it, fighting for it, you know, because I, I view the importance of physical. We are ridiculously passionate engagement. about the physical gathering, ridiculously passionate. But, but to speak to your question about, about awesome. digital, um, you know, and, and the, and the uniquenesses of it. First of all, I think it is a little bit humorous that you have tens of thousands of comments on a digital platform advocating so strongly for physical, um, because I think that's sort of the irony a lot of times is that people are so heavily engaged in where they're communicating about all their opinions in these online communities and yet kind of describing that community doesn't take place online. Exactly. And they would uh, call it community right. and then tell you that church but, can't but be church is in a distinct category yes. that's separate and set aside. I was also a little bit taken back or not taken back, just fascinated by how many people's theology aligned really quickly when physical doors of the church were closed, you know, meaning all of a sudden it was theologically permissible, you know, to do church online when just three weeks earlier it wasn't. And not not trying to be sarcastic or flippant about it, because I understand there is a sincere um, concern over the perspective that online somehow replaces the need to meet physically or somehow 
um, changes, alters connection and um, and people's desire to be together in some fundamental way that kind of prohibits them from wanting to be together physically or from ever you know coming back together physically. And that's simply not ever what technology, what technology has never done that in history, you know, like any, any new technology, be it, um, the, the telephone, be it, uh, even the VCR, some of these bold predictions that people are going to no longer gather together, no longer meet together, no longer leave their house. These things are like tired arguments, you know, that have been around for, for essentially, you know, many, many decades that simply aren't the case because there's these inherent human qualities that we have that do cause us to want to be physically connected and physically together. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really answer your question on digital. Digital does have some unique upsides though, that you can't really ignore some unique attributes. One is that you're able to have connection and conversation and community with people that are geographically dispersed. So it creates an opportunity of diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of community that sometimes is really challenging to do depending upon where you live, you know, in the world. If you're not in a, in a, in a really urban environment, you know, your ability to kind of connect with people simultaneously that are in, in Northern Africa, in Australia, and in the UK, and to be able to have that set of inputs into your community is something unique that digital can provide um, that you just simply can't get otherwise. The ability to, in, in, in many of the expressions that are there today with Church Online, you have the ability to kind of ask questions and even unpack in real time what's happening in a sermon or in worship. Um, mm. People can kind of go on tangent explorations, you know, of, of, of a question that's asked, where in a physical context, it's just simply not... Um, there's really no good mechanism, you know, to do that. It's disruptive, you know, in a, in a physical church environment. And so those are some unique things you can do. You can also, you know, have community at really odd times or anytime, you know, in an online context, which limiting, which is limited a lot of times by physical venues just because of time zones and, and just practicalities associated with it. And, and I think one of the things that we see with church online that is unique, and, it, and it, it, you would think that this exists in physical church environments, but oftentimes it doesn't, is the ability for me to have a one-on-one -on -one prayer, a one-on-one -on -one conversation at any moment in time with someone that can sit there and pray through what I'm going through at this given time. Um, in a, oftentimes mm -hmm. in a physical church environment, there might be a moment made for that, but many times there's not a practical way of bringing that point of connection or facilitating that from happening. And those are some of the unique qualities that digital provides. So there's definitely some, some upsides and there's more um, than that, but that would just be some examples of things that are unique. Craig, what would you say to the critics of church online who would say it's all got to be in the room? Well, I think I understand to some degree that you can love what's in the room so much, and you may not have experienced, maybe you didn't, you haven't experienced real community. For, for example, Carrie, my bias is for, toward the room, meaning I just, I love it so much. And I, I'm not, I haven't put on, um, you know, uh, goggles and gone into the metaverse. I, I, yeah, I, I, Oculus, yeah, right. I, I, haven't yeah. done, I haven't done that. So I, I haven't experienced it. So that's not my preference. Just because it's not my preference doesn't mean that it's not effective. And we have to be, you know, really, careful not to let our preferences drive our theology. When, when Jesus said, go into all the world, I think that means dark places. I think that I, I cannot imagine Jesus saying, hey, tell people, share the gospel everywhere, but don't do it online. 
And like Bobby said, it's, it's interesting. The very place that the critics are often the loudest is on an online community. And they're saying you can't have community <laughs> on where they have a community. And it, it, I would just, I would say to somebody, hey, if you'll come with an open mind and let's just watch what happens and be open. And what you're going to find is almost every time you watch the chat, where people are actually talking and having a community and asking questions and answering questions and praying for each other and sharing scripture and having real community, what you're gonna find is they're almost always more open, more transparent and more talky there than they are in a church lobby in a physical building. Meaning it's it's actually, it is, it's not face-to-face. -face. You can't lay hands on people, but you can meet with people you couldn't meet with otherwise. People that are homebound, they couldn't come somewhere else. I had a, um, a dad uh, DM me that said his son has a um, has a condition. He's got social anxiety, and he's so excited because his son will now go to church in the metaverse. But he he's terrified to go wow. out in public. It's like you know, you know, don't let your preferences rob you from seeing the opportunities that someone else who has a different preference might be able to experience the gospel. And at the same time, to someone who's online, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say stay there forever and only do that. What I'm gonna say is there are other expressions, let's gather together, let's pray in the same room, let's worship together. And if you can't, there's online, or if we can reach you in some other way, it's, it's not an either or, it's a both and, 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 and. There's gonna be a bunch more ands that come along that um, we'll leverage and redeem technology in every way we can to bring the message of Jesus in the world. I, I would say one thing I'm hearing from both of you, and it's it's in the verbal, but also in the nonverbal, is neither seems to threaten you. Do you know what I mean? There's almost as as I've I've waded through the debate and had lots of discussions, almost like a scarcity mentality that if one wins, the other is going to lose. And what I'm picking up from the two of you is I don't want to say abundance mindset. That sounds very woo-woo, whatever. But like, yeah, this is this is like the answer is yes. It is both and. Am I am I getting that right? Hundred percent. Okay. Okay. So uh, put on our philosophical and amateur theologian hats for a moment. And I haven't asked anybody this question, but I thought it'd be a fun one to punt to uh, both of you. Hebrews, I think it's 1025 comes up. Maybe I've got it wrong. I should have Googled it beforehand. But, you know, let us not forsake meeting together. Uh, I see that all over the place about digital church. Any thoughts on whether that's an appropriate use of that verse? Again, realizing none of us are professors, but we have read the Bible. <laughs> so what's your take on that? Well, I think, I think we obviously, yes, we're called to meet together. And there's, you know, we talk about this all the time. We're, we're, I really believe that the, the, the term personal relationship with Jesus is incomplete. That when you look at the New mm -hmm. Testament, there's more of a corporate or a shared relationship with Jesus that is the one and others. The, that, so an isolated Christianity is maybe not a real Christianity at all. So meeting together is... Mm -hmm a part of being the body of Christ, a part of being the church. And we found out during the kind of COVID days that a lot of people did meetings from their home online and those meetings were effective. A lot of people said they're more effective. Let's stay, stay with this model. Mm. And so I would say that meeting together is exactly what it is. It can be meeting digitally. It can be meeting physically. And again, both have opportunities and both have limitations. One doesn't make the other one wrong. One isn't necessarily better. They're just different. And so I just, I'm really, really passionate. And if we're ever, ever wrong and we get to heaven and God says, yeah, you probably shouldn't have 
preach the gospel online. Um, if we're going to be wrong, Carrie, I would so rather be wrong trying something than being a critic of something. You know, like let's let's mm. let's get down there, and mix it up, let's try, let's take the gospel everywhere. And if we're if we are wrong, I promise you, we're going to be wrong attempting to reach people, not being wrong sitting back picking apart what might actually work. Yeah, Bobby, any any thoughts on the gathering part? I mean, I definitely have my own take, but I'd I'd love to hear what what you think. I mean, it's it's hard to add anything to what Craig just said. I mean, we definitely yeah, we, yeah, we see the we we see gathering in all formats, and I think it's I think it's important for some people to recognize that there are actually people that can't physically gather, and that's not just an anomaly that has to do with you know someone's physical health, but. Um, but I mean, we were put into a position where we were obviously all in isolation and unable to physically gather. And in the context that everybody feels like is, is that people are arguing is real gathering, you know, versus mm. versus not real gathering. Yeah. But every single day, in certain parts of the world, there are people that either do not have anyone in geographic proximity to them that's a believer, or don't have the ability to gather as as believers physically, you know, in their in their context. And, and so the fact that that even exists, you know, to say then that their ability to gather online isn't valid, isn't really gathering, you know, I think people have to kind of think about mm. the theological implications of saying, what if people cannot, and that's the way that they can, or that provides a method for them to, yeah. to do that. And I think we all get to experience it for the first time when we couldn't. Um, but I reminded people that when we get to come back together again, there'll still be a lot of people that can't. In, in different regions of the world. And so I just, I look at that way. I'm definitely not a theologian. I'm not going to add anything uh, theological to what Pastor Craig said because he, uh, he's got, he went to seminary and I didn't. So, <laughs> well, I think the two of you too, I mean, this might be so in the water supply at Life Church that it's just second nature to you. But, you know, you have been facilitating what I would call decentralized gatherings now for many, many years, so that there are little house church gatherings around uh, life church. And I think, to me, the faulty assumption under the Hebrews argument is that that verse means you need to get into a building owned or rented by a church in a row, listening to a preacher talk and a band play, when actually that wasn't even how the church met for two centuries, almost three centuries after um, that passage was written. They met in people's homes. So, you know, I agree, isolated Christianity, unless, you know, if you're completely can't be with other humans, sure, church online is great. But otherwise, gathering in people's backyards, inviting your neighbors, inviting your friends, meeting in small groups, and then also going to worship, yeah, so I think has a tremendous I, I upside. I always hesitate Go. to throw out numbers because it can kind of sound weird, but we have uh, online weekly eight over 800 small group communities. And so right. this is, well, here's what I want you to understand is that this isn't just, yeah. you, you come once a week and at a certain time and the, the, like the online experiences are all through the week, like, you know, maybe Tuesday night at 10 o'clock our time, which is 8 a.m. someone else's time and someone maybe works on Sunday. And so, and then there's a secondary 800 small community groups that meet. And I was just thinking, I'm sitting here looking at you on a screen thinking, do you think we're closer today as friends than we were five years ago? What do you think? Oh, 100%. And how many, how yeah. many times have we gathered in person, right? About 10 minutes in London, England in, in 2019. London, England, one time by accident, meaning it wasn't intentional, <laughs> 10 minutes outside of a service. And, but we're closer, why? How, how have we met wow. in the last you know, five years? 
Well, you and I, we text, we call each other, we Zoom occasionally, we're we're, we're in each other's lives and we're close. We're friends. I agree. And, And I, you know, so many of my friends, the guy who's produced this podcast, Toby, shout out to you, has produced every single episode. I've never met him, yet we consider him in person. We consider him part of our family. And I love the expanse of thinking. So Metaverse, Craig, you went there. You mentioned it. Uh, right after it kind of became the subject of the day and what was that, September, October, as Facebook rebranded itself, uh, who pops up on the metaverse but Life Church, of course. So I'd love to um, talk about it. And Bobby, maybe, maybe you know, let's go back to the first incarnation of this with, is it Second Life right. in 2005-ish for Life Church? Help me yeah, with the no, timeline. 2007. But, uh, you. 2007. Okay. Talk about that. And then, and then the reboot into the metaverse and the launch into the metaverse. Yeah. So in the, you know, we start in 2007, we built what was kind of a virtual at that time, it was called an Island. We didn't want to be an Island, but that's just kind of the way that they, uh, (laughs) they did it. Um, but it was essentially a 3d virtual environment that actually resembled or was modeled after one of our physical campus buildings and it was a place where people could come with avatars and it was a 3d type space that if you haven't experienced it before it would be very akin to what you'd see like in a video game uh, roblox or minecraft just a little little different graphics um and people would come with their avatars and they would be able to have conversations uh on inside of our church building we'd have services at second life so we were experimenting with this Back in 2007, we had great response. We had um, learned a lot about what ministry feels like in that type of environment and some of the unique advantages. Craig mentioned earlier about how willing people are to to share and to talk about what's going on in their life. I've found that when people have a an avatar or have something that is a physical facade for, for themselves, they're much less likely to have an emotional facade or, or a spiritual facade. Mm. You're able to get to a conversation much deeper around spirit, wow. much quicker around spiritual things. Whereas when we're in person, we don't have that. And, and so the, a lot of us will end up having more of an emotional or spiritual facade. We're not going to let people quickly on the inside of what we're really feeling or really thinking because they can see us. And so that one mm. different dynamic, I think, creates a really unique ministry opportunity in that type of space. Now, back in 2007, the challenge was not that no one came to it or that people weren't interested. It was that too many people came and the technology just bogged down. It was the most you could have is about 80 people at any given time. And uh, and then so there's a bit of a wave of interest. And then I would say, you know, po- the popularity of it began to wane. So we did that for a few years, learned a lot from it. So today there's there's been essentially a reboot of exactly the same thing. I mean, people talk about it today as if it's brand new. The concept of it is a similar type of environment or world. The technology's improved, obviously, because we're talking about something, um, you know, from from 13, 14, 15 years ago uh, versus today. So it's not not a surprise that the quality of the technology's improved. And the, the new dimension to it is now, in addition to just using your computer screen and mouse and computer to kind of, you know, engage with it, you can now put, if you choose to, you can put on um, VR goggles and it basically makes it real immersive so that you're, you feel like as you 
are wearing these these goggles that you're in the room. It feels like as you turn, you can kind of see from side to side and you can even um, have things that sort of animate your avatar in there, raise their hands or lower their hands and, and engage that way. So it's a different type of, of an engagement, but the premise and the environment and everything around it, even the ministry kind of opportunity is really distinctly similar um, to what it was back in 2007. So, so yeah, no surprise. I mean, we are always looking to how to experiment, how to learn, what we can learn from it. Um, right now, there is no singular metaverse uh, that's out there. There's not like one place that everybody's at. There are platforms. Uh, just different environments, and um, and it's most of the energy around it is honestly because of what you just said that Facebook changed their name to Meta, um, brought a lot of mm. focus and a lot of energy around it, and making a pretty significant investment themselves and in, and the platform that they're you know planning to build around it. So we want to just be given the the new investment, given the new interests. We wanted to really uh, our team. It wasn't even something that that Pastor Craig or I really initiated with our team. Our team is just programmed that way to say, you know, we'd like to try this. We want to, you know, so they begin to do some experiments. And then, of course, we we put a little bit of fuel on the fire as they begin to, to learn from it. We've we've expanded. So we're, just for clarity, today we're in one space called Altspace VR, and it's a platform that's owned by Microsoft. Uh, it's not the the platform Facebook's working on right now, um, but that's where we're holding church services each week and uh, and having a great response. Pastor Craig could tell you more about what we've seen happen in it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Craig. I'd I'd love to hear well, I, uh, more about your angle. Yeah. So I just I like the um, I like the ministry impact, and so Bobby would be uh, up into the technology, helping coach the team, and then I said, "Tell me the stories on the backside." And one of the ones that um, they that happened this week is they told me about a guy named Chad, which is really cool. Um, he is uh, from way, way, way far from us. And I don't want to give too many details, but he um, uh, had never been to church in his life before. And it's odd that we know all these details and the way we know him is because he told us. Yeah. And so he came, <laughs> and I, I don't want to disrespect all, tell all of this stuff, but he, he told us all the stuff he's been through. It's a long list of personal loss, pain and he was intrigued by church in the metaverse he came in he asked questions and he he sensed something really different and so after people talked to him he um said he wanted to become a follower of jesus and now this guy in a real short period of time is ridiculously excited is coming back is asking all sorts of questions is engaging has relationships and this is a guy that we would have not reached in any other way. There wasn't another physical church anywhere that had reached him. He'd never even been in a physical church before. And now here's a guy. He'll be back this weekend. He's in, he's in relationship with people that are praying for him. And that, to me, is, is exciting. Hmm. There's something, I think it was Bobby who said it. I just, I just wrote it down really quickly. Um, but that idea of physical facade versus spiritual facade really... I would love to double click on that for a minute. Is what you're saying, and Bobby, I could have this wrong, that, right, you know, if I want to go out of the house and I want to go to physical church, I got to like dress up or I got to wear certain clothes because I need to fit in. And, you know, there's how you doing and everything. And that can almost put up a veneer. But we, we had a conversation. I know you guys know Nikki Gumbel quite well, but he was like deeply opposed. He said it on this podcast to ever putting Alpha online pandemic hits. And he's like, okay, I got no choice. I got to do this. And he just came on and said he is the most surprised person 
to see how people just opened up and so much faster than in 20 years of physical alpha he had seen. And I wonder if there's something to that physical, spiritual facade. Can either of you or both of you say more about that? Because I I think there's truth in that. That resonates. I just, I mean, I think it's something we discovered back a second life is where we really had that discovery. But it's not, if you think about it, it's not particularly difficult to understand in that even in a physical environment, people like to hold things in their hands. They feel more comfortable yeah. if they're holding something that's more of a protected posture because they feel vulnerable, you know, um, just yeah. just people looking at them or people being there. So because of that, they, there's definitely more spiritual facades, more, more of a, people can see me, so I don't really let people get on the inside of me. But when people have that avatar or where, where people aren't seeing them, um, they feel safer. They feel safer to have those conversations uh, and, and get right to what it is that they're dealing with. Now, it is also true that people can be deceptive and there's also downsides sure. you know, to that type of environment. However, we found it to be very true that sincere people that are coming you know, wanting, seeking, looking for answers are very comfortable talking about the most intimate details of their sin, of their struggle, of their challenge, of whatever it is that they're going through, um, which would be very, very difficult to have that same type of thing happen in a lobby experience in a physical church, at least that quickly, for sure. Craig, any thoughts on facades? No, I, I was just thinking how how right Bobby is. Like, if I'm somewhere I always want, I want my backpack. I want something. I, I, I literally want some kind of a comfort, something if I'm in an unusual place with people, a, a cup of something. And uh, I was also thinking too, the other side, I've noticed how transparent people will be. You, they'll get in there and talk about taking their life. They'll talk about depression. They'll talk about their marriage falling apart. And I walk into a lobby, a physical lobby, and we don't get any of that. And you, you, know, the, you know, the other side is true too. For example, mm-hmm. Um, anybody who does what we do, we get a lot of criticism, right? A lot of criticism. We get a lot of criticism. Well, I cannot think of the last time someone's come up to me, to my face and criticized me. They just don't do it. But they, <laughs> they, they do it online nonstop, nonstop, nonstop because there's something to hide behind. And so in the same way, they might be more critical online. They'll also be more open online. And so that's a, it's just a, it's a real... It's a. It's not better. It's different. It's a different way of reaching people. And if you if you'll be you know someone who's against it, if you'll be open enough, long enough to hear the story of a dad who is thanking God that his son has a place to go, or someone who's a shut in, or the guy that I went in the hospital yesterday who will not be able to be at church this weekend because he will not be able to be at a physical church this weekend, but will be there online. If you if you hear their stories see their appreciation, talk to someone whose life has been changed by it, then you'll start to say, well, this may not be my preference or it may not be you know, what, I'm, what we're good at, but oh my gosh, there is some validity to that. And so let's be for different ways of reaching people rather than being against. And, and the other thing too, as Andy Stanley always says it, let's be a student, not a critic. So before, mm. before we start tearing down what someone else is doing to try to reach people, let's ask, can we learn from it? Is there something there that we don't understand? And I found the places that we're often most critical are the places we're most uninformed. Meaning, if I yes. if I understood the context there, I wouldn't be as critical. If I knew what they're accomplishing or how they're accomplishing it or the motive behind it or the story behind the story. And so 
and there, and there will be times, meaning, you know, we want to be open to correction, okay? That wasn't a good idea, or that didn't work, or that's not effective. We're not saying it all is. What we're saying is, let's, let's not assume it's not without trying it to, to, to see if there's an opportunity. Mm, that's a good word. It's true. I think it's human nature to criticize things we don't understand. So I know this could be a, a two-hour podcast on its own, but any insight on what, you know, first of all, what is the metaverse? Where is it going? When you look into the future a couple of years, Bobby, what do you see inside the metaverse? Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of investment, you know, that's moving into that space. Uh, I think what you see today with the metaverse, if you've seen any uh, images or videos from metaverse environments, it is very much more game-like. However, in the next couple of years, it's going to be far more photorealistic, uh, where if you want to, you could have an avatar that looks exactly like you. Um, and, and it has, it's photorealistic. It, it looks like a, a person person. That's where the technology is going with it. Um, the interface to it with VR goggles, if you're skeptical about how effective wearing goggles like that look like that will be, join me because I'm skeptical too. I, that, that is not, I do not believe that is the format of the future um, for interfacing with those types of environments. It just is what is today. Um, and I, I tell people like, I'll believe something's mass adoption when I see it in an airport. And, and being, so are you, are you, are you saying it's basically the Palm pilot of our current phones? Like I had a couple of Palm pilots and they were functionally useless, but really expensive. Correct. And there'll be people that have, there'll be yeah. people that have disagreed with me on this. In fact, there've been people for the last 10 years that have disagreed with this statement because I've had real strong views on VR, um, you know, that, that have proven so far to be true in the sense that mass adoption is going to really depend on there being the right type of device or the right type of interface. And we're not really close to that you know, right now. Um, so you kind of have to almost, almost look past what is today to kind of think about what could be with it. But that's why we call it an experiment. I mean, this is space that we're mm. exploring, looking at, want to be present, doing ministry for the people that are there today, but also um, recognize that it'll likely change, you know, pretty dramatically over the next several years, just because of all the investment and people that are involved in it. I personally think that it's going to be a more of a blend of augmented reality where where some of these metaverse type environments are blended with the the, the physical environments that we're in um, is probably more of of a use case that I think has a lot more practical uses for it. But that's my opinion. And of course, my opinion is oftentimes wrong, but that's just kind of what I see in the near future. Um, you know, long, long term, I really can't speak to that because I never try to make long, long term predictions. Again, we're in the lightning round here uh, as we wrap wrap up or wind down. But I'm just curious, like when you got on to Bobby the metaverse to the metaverse and opened up your uh, your your you know metaverse campus, did it take as much effort as launching a physical location, which you guys have pretty much just systematized? Was it less than that? Way more than that? Do you have any idea, just in terms of resources for people listening? It's like, does this take a billion dollars? No. Like what? And and human effort, like how 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 much work is it to launch on the metaverse? It was. Uh, I don't want to trivialize it because the team that worked on it, no. I know, worked really hard. But by comparison, it's it's way way less than what we put into launching a physical campus. In fact, initially, the team just simply used a a kind of venue that was available in that platform that we didn't really build. It was just an auditorium that we kind of purposed, you know, that we didn't have to to go and build. 
recently, like in the last week or two, they actually modeled a venue that looks like one of our physical campuses as far as like it's the actual dimensions and shape and colors and, and experience. But even that just took a couple of our team um, probably, you know, a week or two to do. So it's completely different magnitude of, of investment and cost. Um, in fact, I don't even, I don't think I've even seen a budget revision for what it costs for us to be in the metaverse. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure that it's that dramatic. It's probably fairly nominal and uh, certainly by comparison. Oh, that's great. Craig, as you look into the future and you think about hybrid church, um, where do you see this going? Like, where are you? You think about Life Church as the senior pastor two or three years down the road. What do you hope in your heart? What do you see in your mind? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that is important to me, and again, this is my bias, um, and I think I could make a theological argument for it, that, that the church isn't just receiving content. So mm-hmm. if we, if I stream a message on YouTube or someone watches it later on, is that church? And I would say, that adds spiritual value, but that's not church. And so we have to understand, I, I think, what is church? Church is both gathering and scattering, right? Technically, it's, mm-hmm. it is, it's really the scattering that makes it powerful. And so what we're going to do is we're going to gather, and in, in my theological opinion, if we don't broaden our view of gathering today, we're unwise, meaning it's got to be, I think gathering is more mm-hmm. than just physical. And I want to say it again. Physical is my preference, meaning I love it, love it, love it. It's my preference. And I'm ridiculously passionate about it, so much so that we launched campuses in the middle of a pandemic, meaning we, we believe in it. Uh, so I think that, that what we want to do is we want to recognize that uh, people are going to gather. And what we want to do is we want to leverage what we can in every way. And as we move forward, the big thing I would just say to pastors is let's not settle on content delivery where we're not clicks, that's not the big win, but community and empowering people to reach a city, to love their neighbors, that's where the real power is. So are, do we want to um, not be successful at content delivery? No. But what we want to do is we want to create community around whatever it is, worship content, mission, and then transform that community, not just from one, ones that gather, but then ones that scatter. That's, so that's the, that's the other part of the church where we are called out, uh, the called out ones to make a difference in the world. So again, is the gathering important? Yes, but it don't, don't, don't let it stop there. That's, that's a really narrow view of church. Like get them into the building and that's church. Okay, no, get them into a gathering, feed on the word of God, worship God together, lay hands on each other, pray, pray for each other, do all the one another's, encourage, love, rebuke. Um, and then take the gathering and scatter and go take the gospel all over the world. And so that's the, using online, in-person, trains, airplanes, automobiles, do whatever it is, you know, whatever the newest way is, we're going to do that. And let's, let's recognize we have a really big God and a lot of different cultures and languages and communities around the world. And so let's not talk about what we can't do or a wrong way of doing it. Let's look for right ways and opportunities. And, um, and the great thing is, Carrie, as you know, being alive and doing ministry today there's more opportunities to, there's more need today than in years past. And there's more opportunities today. So what a great time to serve Jesus in the church. Wow. I, uh, I think we need to leave it there. Uh, that is so good. And, you know, I had high hopes for this conversation. Um, 
you were, you were absolutely my first choice to have the conversation, both of you, on the hybrid church, but I didn't know it would be this good. It feels like perhaps this is a unifying moment and unity is something we really need in the church right. and maybe we can good. put down our swords and maybe we can just say, hey, this is church, guys. This is church. This is where we're going and this is what we're committed to and we're going to reach people. But before, you're, and, before, you're, uh, before you wrap it up too, yeah. let's just let's go with that for one minute and recognize yeah. like you ask me questions about metaverse, I'm going to stumble my way and fake my way through it, right? Let's not even pretend that I, I know, know much. Bobby has a gift and a calling. Church Online was his idea. version was his idea. I'm just kind of the guy that sits around and says, okay, good idea. Let's, let's try it. I'm the guy dumb enough to try stuff. So <laughs> our church is able to do some things that other churches aren't able to do. There are other churches that are able yeah. to do things in, in their communities that we're not able to do. And so we don't have to do it all. We don't have to be great at all of it. Right. Um, let's, just be, let's just do what God has called us to do and celebrate what others are able to do. So right. there, there, there are some that you don't believe in it much, you're not good at it, don't do it. <laughs> Just do what you're great at doing, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it, it, if you try to do it all, you're not gonna be great at, at much. So we're focused in a few unique areas. We happen to be pretty good at getting the Bible into people's hands. We happen to be pretty good at taking the message online. And we happen to be decent at opening up campuses. There's a lot of things we're not good at. And I'm thankful for pastors and churches and Christians all over the world that are good at those other things. And uh, so mm. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to just say I'm not it's, uh, it's exciting to cheer on the body of Christ with a diversity of ways to yeah. impact the world. And uh, I wouldn't want anyone to feel discouraged if they're not good at something because they're great at something else mm. and be great as God has gifted you. Wow. That's a great word. Bobby, if people are interested in more resources for online church or even the metaverse, do you do you have any websites that you would direct them to or we can just put it in the show notes yeah. too? So anything come to mind, Bobby? I think right now the team's talking a lot about the metaverse and what we're learning just on our social media channels. So if they follow uh, Live Church Online on social media or even so occasionally Pastor Craig will post on or I post on it, that's probably the way to get the most current information including some links that we put out there from time to time that have a little more information so and then we can i can give you some links for the show notes too that's great well i can't thank both of you enough you've been extremely generous with your time and uh, i just admire you both so much as leaders and as friends and just want to thank you for building into the capital c church building into kingdom-minded business leaders who are listening who care about their church who care about the future who donate who sit on boards who volunteer, who serve, who give. And uh, you know what? After a conversation like this, I, I just think this is some of the hope that we were all looking for. I want to thank you both very much for bringing it today. Thanks, Kerry. Yeah, thanks. Love you, Kerry. Love you too. Thank you. I love the way that conversation wrapped up. I mean, that was just so powerful. And Craig and Bobby are absolutely two of my most favorite leaders and fantastic people. Uh, again, one of the frequently asked questions on the podcast uh, when I talk to people is like, but what and so what are so-and-so really like? And the answer is, with Craig and Bobby, fantastic. And that is the answer 99.9% of the time uh, with leaders, but uh, they are two of my absolute favorite people and uh, really, really privileged to call them friends as well as leaders who inform and inspire my leadership. So if you want more on that, uh, we got it on YouTube as well. They did a, a really beautiful job filming that at Life Church for us for this episode. 
So you can check that out on my YouTube channel at Kerry Newhoff. Just look, search for me on YouTube. You'll find it there. And uh, you might be able to share that with your team. And if this helped you or you found it beneficial, please leave a rating and review. That is how we get the word out. Um, You can do that wherever you listen to this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Overcast. That's where I listen to podcasts. But wherever you do, please leave a rating and review. We would so appreciate it. And uh, that gets the word out. We continue to break records on this podcast uh, these days and uh, in terms of listenership. So when you share the word, that's what gets it out. And uh, we want to do a better job serving you. We offer transcripts as well. So you can get the show notes, including some of the things that uh, Bobby mentioned. We will include those all in the show notes at uh, kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 471. So you can find that. All this is for free. And that is thank you to our partners as well. Make sure that you check out Leader. Go to leader.com. Use the promo code carry to get 20% off your first year of their people development software. And by Promedia Fire, claim your free copy of their 2022 digital playbook by going to promediafire.com slash 2022. And remember for leader, that's L-E-A-D-R.com. And uh, next episode, we're going to continue with our future series. Uh, I do think that sometimes we criticize the things we don't understand. So we're just trying to get better understanding around the metaverse and, uh, and, and the future and hybrid church and all of those things. And We're going to get into crypto a little bit next time and also a really innovative company, Overflow.co, which is a startup, a a 32-year-old entrepreneur and church planter has begun. And uh, he's trying to make it easy to give non-cash donations like stocks, assets, and crypto to churches. And his name is Vance Roosh. Gotten to know him over the last couple of years. Here's an excerpt from that episode. They would say, hey, Vance, how do I donate some of my Facebook, Google, Apple stock. And at the time, Carrie, I didn't know, but I knew that Facebook stock is valuable. So I should figure yeah, this yeah. out. <laughs> and so I went to Fidelity to open up a brokerage account. By the way, that wasn't super seamless. It took me about three weeks, but got it done. Mm-hmm. So I sent that over to about a dozen people that had requested for this. And I didn't see anything come through the account. And so I went to one of my buddies and I said, hey, you mentioned that you wanted to donate some of your Facebook stock. And then he said, I'm going to do it. It's just that I gave your information to my Charles Schwab broker. I just haven't had a chance to do it, but I'll get it done before the end of the year. And that, that was honestly my epiphany moment. If the only thing standing in the way of this donation, this gift is a little bit of friction. What if we remove that friction? All of October, I built a prototype and I emailed, you know, a thousand active recurring donors. Across the next three days, 32 people responded to that email and we raised $1.1 million in stocks in three days. That's coming up next time. And uh, I'll tell you, this got really huge implications for the church and uh, for businesses as well. I mean, the vast majority of wealth is, is, uh, not easily transferred to causes that you care about. He's trying to make it simpler. So we talk about fintech, crypto, um, donating stocks, and a whole lot more next time. Also coming up on the podcast, and again, subscribers, you will never miss an episode. Francesca, Gino, Dion, Nicholas. We're going to talk a little bit about AI. That's down the road. Uh, We've also got Max Chafkin. He's coming up. He's from Bloomberg Business. Dave Hollis, Jenny Allen, Bob Goff, Ian Cron, we got Philip Yancey on the podcast for the first time. That's all coming up. And if you really enjoyed this, uh, head on over to kerryneuhoff.com. That's where all things sort of 
live, including this podcast. And I do a lot of writing there. Our content gets accessed millions of times a year. And you can join over 85,000 leaders who receive my daily content emails. And I would just love to help you even more. So if you find this helpful, head on over to kerryneuhoff.com and uh, we can meet over there as well. Well, thank you, Craig and Bobby. Thank you to you for listening. And I hope this has been a really encouraging, clarifying, and perhaps motivating episode. And we'll catch you next time on the podcast. In the meantime, I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.